How's it going, everyone? You're listening to Double Take. Today, we have a little bit of a special slash unusual episode where we filmed it in two separate goes. So basically, the first half is going to be our reactions to Game 7 of OKC Houston and then our reactions to Game 2 of the Heat beating the, the Milwaukee Bucks. Then the second half is going to be our reaction to the Denver Game 7 win over the Jazz as well as the Raptors losing to Boston in game two. So please enjoy this episode. Have a good one. What's up, people? Welcome to another episode of Double Take with the Safety Bros. We're back in Boston. It's good to be back here, back at school. You know, we just got started with our semester, so it's been a few days since we've been able to do an episode. But of course, that doesn't mean that there's not been great playoff NBA basketball. We've had two Game 7s, the beginning of the Eastern Conference semifinals, very uh, favorable outcome for ya boys. We're very pumped. So, of course, we're going to get into all of that. We're going to get into both Game 7s today. We're going to talk about the Eastern Conference semifinals. And we might do a little bit of a preview for what we're going to expect from the next round in the West. But first, what's going on, Johnny? Well, before we get into this episode, I just need to say, you know, the emotions were high a few hours ago watching that Heat game. Just like Game 1 against the Bucks, this Game 2 was just as stressful. I would say even more stressful. A lot of bad calls. Was not terrible, just terrible. Was not loving with the rest, but we're not gonna get into that. I just wanted to take this as a moment of appreciation as as a Heat fan, as an NBA fan, as a basketball fan. You know, not many fan bases get to enjoy the fruits of their organization like this. We got the Godfather, we got Spolstra. I'm very appreciative. We trust Jimmy did great game one. Dragic has been incredible. Just all we seven guys in double figures. I could go on about it, but. I'm just so appreciative now. We're not going to, you know, the series is not over. It's far from over against the Bucks, but we're not taking this moment for granted. We're yep. enjoying the taste of this oh. 6-0 and playoff start. Go Miami Heat. Let's go Heat. All right. But That's before a we get quick little that, intro. Yeah, we're going to get into all the Heat stuff later. But, John, what are we going to start with today? But first, we just watched Game 7 between the Thunder and the Rockets. What a wild game. Lou Dort scoring 30 points. <laughs> Chris Paul having a triple double. There was the the Thunder end up losing by two in the end, but just a bizarre game all around. Alex Harden not playing well. Westbrook not playing. He playing better, but still not having an incredible and uh, game seven performance. We've seen so many guys, you know, in game sevens and teams kind of not play as well. The nerves are very high, and. We saw that in this game. Alex, was this one of the most bizarre games you've seen so far in the playoffs? Definitely. Probably easily, I mean, this year for sure. Even in a weird year. One of the just crazy... Yeah, I guess it might be just bizarre. Flat out bizarre. Yeah. The most bizarre game we've watched. With Lou Dort throughout the... Uh, that's this whole series through one through... Games one through six. He's shooting 18% from the three-point arc. And a guy that, of course... I mean, they show after ESP, after the game on SportsCenter, they had a little green circle to show how, how open he was. And he was open for a reason is something that we like to say about guys like that. But he answered the call in Game 7, coming out super clutch. Six for 12 three-pointers, John. 
30 points, and he's the only player, 21 or younger, to score 25-plus points in a Game 7 other than LeBron James <laughs> this man, and Kobe Bryant. He's in company with LeBron and Kobe, and I have to admit... Coming into the bubble, I did not even know who this guy yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, I don't think and I know what this double take sports. We're, we're some of the, we're some of the best sports analysts in the game. Yeah, that's right. And we didn't even know who he was. <laughs> so I'm just saying. No, I mean, I, I watch I watch a lot of basketball, and I just really OKC. I just don't even remember seeing this dude in the regular exactly. season. So and all of a sudden, he's a playoff hero for them. So of course, uh, I'm glad that I, I started with Ludor shout out because. I mean, he's got to have the highest player approval rating in the NBA as far as the NBA fans. Who doesn't like Lou Dort? Maybe maybe Houston Rockets don't like him. But um, so that was one weird aspect of the game. Another one, James Harden, not a guy known for, you know, big playoff moments. A guy who usually we like to say disappears or shrinks or chokes in these moments. He um, has a pretty bad game. I will have to give credit to Lou Dort again because he's been playing great defense on Harden all series long. And Harden goes four for 15 from the field, one for nine three-pointers. Pretty ugly game for Harden. Harden did have uh, his put his imprint on the game, though, however, with a lot of good passing. And he did make the, the arguably what they were calling the play of the game, a play that I really hated to see, which was at the end of the game, uh, CP3 dribbles. And it looked to me, it looked like the Rockets were in a... Um, it was they were the Rockets were down were the Rockets were up one the OKC has the ball and I thought the Rockets were playing a, a three two zone and so as Chris Paul kind of drove and maybe just Westbrook came early anyway anyway the ball ends up getting to Lou Dort and that's when Harden was able to block him Ugh, and you know pump his unsatisfying which end. it was an unsatisfying ending because you did want to see, see we wanted to see CP three get the ball we wanted to see CP three we wanted to see the great players get the ball at the end of the game and take that last shot and, and you wanted to see the underdog win and of course Harden is a fun guy to root against I did want to see just Twitter explode with, you know, oh, yeah. look, you traded Chris Paul for Westbrook and look what happened. And that's he beat a- you in the playoffs. And Harden chokes again. And Harden, you know, he will never have a ring yeah. and all these things about that. And it's but, not even about the underdog, which you're right, Alex. Like, people will always love to root for an underdog and just in sports in general. Sometimes we have friends who I know, like, they don't even have teams, but they're just like, I just like rooting for the underdog, you know? Yeah, of course. But in absolutely. this game, it wasn't about that. Like, I don't know anyone who likes the Rockets. For some reason, it's like, I think it's the, it's the style of basketball they play. It's the fact that Harden has not been great in the playoffs. Like, just all the podcasts and on ESPN and, you know, all they're the not, that they're I not a very likable team. People are up in arms about Harden. They're so upset by how bad he is. And everyone's saying, he's gonna, let's, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in Game 7. I can't wait to see. And he was horrible. And after the game, he says... I played like shit. He straight up yeah, says he it, and he, he, he apologizes for for cursing uh-huh. on live on, on on national television. But he says it, and he admits it, and he is lucky that thank God his team still was able to pull it out. Yeah. You know, one of his got, uh, teammates, Robert Covington, had six three pointers, had a great game, had twenty one points. Westbrook also carried some of the. Westbrook slack. had a had a good game in the clutch time, and also Jeff Green, who it just seems like, all right, dude, like like. I, it just com- continues to shock me that he yeah. he has these games where he goes off and he had three threes, mm-hmm. five for seven overall, and it's like they picked him up off off waivers, you know. So right. um, of so, course, but yeah, Covington probably probably the MVP of the game, mm-hmm. making that free throw at the end there, even though he missed one yeah. as well. But you know, we mentioned Chris Paul a little earlier, John, and I I know we were we were both kind of rooting for him. Underdog factor, as a basketball fan. yeah. You and I know some people don't like him. I really wanted to see him win. He goes for a triple-double, but unfortunately, I really do think he had a chance to win the game. Not even with the play where he ends up, the ball ends up to Dort and Harden gets that block. Uh. It was another play before where, say, Shea Gilders-Alexander hits a three. Now they're up one point. 
P.J. Tucker comes down, hits a little floater, and now the Rockets are up one point. I think there's about 20 seconds left at this point. And Chris Paul, there's like a, like a little like seven or eight footer mid-range shot. And it looked automatic, and I, and he missed it, and I was like, ooh. It was when all these guys kept like flopping, hurt. kept trying to drop a yeah, charge. A bunch of dudes exactly. were just falling down. I think Very the refs didn't play. even know what was going on. Yeah. Um, and then, so going speaking to the refs, Sean, there's been both with the Heat game, which we'll talk about in a minute, and this game, just a lot of just weird and bad, pretty bad refing tonight. Um, with kind of Scott Foster was um, one of the refs for the OKC game tonight. <laughs> and it's funny because I remember back when Chris Paul and Harding were both on the Rockets, they had both spoken out and said, like, why we, this guy, like, he hates us, he can't, I don't know why they keep refing, like, they, 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 I think they filed a formal complaint to the, to the league about Scott Foster, and then this came out just after the game, like, literally, like, you know, 20 minutes ago, was Mark Spears tweeted that, that Chris Paul said, and, like, after the game, that Scott Foster made a point to tell Chris before the game, game seven tonight, um, that he also refed Chris Paul's Game 7 loss to the Spurs in 2008 when Chris Paul was with the Hornets. See, but I don't like, understand. Scott Foster's just like a scumbag. Like, I don't, he's just a scumbag. But, but but forget that, because clearly, you know, we humans have emotions and referees are humans too. They're not just robots that call travel violations, you know? Like, so for whatever reason, these two guys have They history. never call Chris travel Paul, Yeah. Chris Paul and Scott Fat Foster have history and they got bad blood. Why is the NBA? I would love to know how the inner workings of the league work and how that referee gets assigned. Yeah. Took this game with Chris Paul playing, and when Harden. he knows that they like he beefs with this player. Yeah. You know why would why would they want that? Why would you ever want? This is the thing that was so upsetting about this game and getting into. We're gonna get into the Heat game in a second. About we hate when the referees help decide a basketball game. We want to see two teams playing. In essentially in a vacuum, yeah. where the calls are made when there's illegal contact that has outcomes on the game that aren't don't relate to like basketball skills. Mm-hmm. So like when you pu- if you push somebody, obviously we need refs there to call that because that is not you know basketball talent. But you hate to see when the refs are overdoing their overplaying their role in this game, Absolutely. and it was just so evident in both these games. The refs were just doing too much here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good segue getting into this Heat game. Yeah. Obviously, the Miami Heat ended up pulling this one out. Thank God. But at the end of the game, we made some mistakes. You know, a few with a few with the inbound passes, and Jimmy Butler threw it away. Mm-hmm. Brooke Lopez got that two pointer to cut the lead down, and the Heat are up three. It's one fourteen, one eleven, and Chris Middleton comes down. Chucks up a three, and Goran Dragic has got his feet to the ground and his hands straight set, up. Hands straight up. I mean, and it's guess, pretty pretty textbook. Guess who called Good a defense. three? Guess who called a, a foul on the three pointer? The referees did on <laughs> Goran Dragic, which was just one of the worst calls we've seen in such in a long, long time, in my opinion. And it wasn't just this that last call. It was the entire game we were seeing calls like this with Giannis overturning uh, his four, what would have been his fourth, yeah, his foul, fourth foul early in the third quarter, which would have taken so out many early. bad calls. The Heat just should have been up so many more. And there points was just so many words. calls too, where the Bucks would like fall on the ground or like lose lose balance or so no many one would touch them. And they're just calm. I and mean, it's like, okay, we get it. He's the MVP. He's a superstar. Like, you don't want them to go down 2 0 because that doesn't fit your agenda or whatever. You want the best players yeah, to lead the league. got an agenda, and we're not. A no, and I, I don't really want to pull <laughs> that card. Like, I'm like, honest in the final. I'm like half joking when I say that, but at the same time, it just really, really looked like it. Like, it's like, what, what is yeah. going on? Like, the, 
we should have been up by 20 points in that game. Oh, yeah. And I think our biggest lead was maybe 12, it, which yeah. is which is fine. Like we, we played a good game, and I'm glad that at the end of it, you know, like you said, they made that terrible call against Drogic, and we came down, and what didn't seem like a foul to me against, <laughs> um, you know, on Butler's shot... They made it. They made a. They made him. It was a makeup call. No, you know, and, yeah. As much Hamilton as I shouldn't said. have been able to tie the game, so at least they gave Jimmy the opportunity to win it with those free throws when the clock right. was already at zero. So I'm fine with that. But uh-huh. and as mu- well as much as I'll say, like how the refs were, they don't want the league doesn't want us in their agenda. We are up two zero, so I am half joking. And they did make that call to you know compensate for the horrible foul call on Goran Dragic on Chris Middleton's. Uh, three-point attempt. So I loved it. Jimmy Butler goes to the line, zero seconds left to win the game, mm-hmm. and he knocks them both down. 116-114. He'd go up 2-0. Beautiful win, John. Beautiful two games that we won against the Bucks, and now we're now in the whole se- season. We're 4-1 and one against them, so mm-hmm. looking great. Um, so in game one, let me just kind of go big picture. Game one, Jimmy drops the 40-piece. He has very clutch buckets and crunch time to close out the game. I, what I loved, what we saw in that game was in the very end, like almost like three, four, five times, we saw Dragic. It was basically an ISO. Everyone's at the bottom except Jimmy at the top with uh, Middleton guarding him. And they send Dragic to him to set the screen so that Jimmy can get the switch and George Hill guarding him. And of course, you know, it's easy money for, for Jimmy. So Jimmy has an incredible offensive game. But then tonight he comes and pretty pedestrian game. On the offensive end, overall, I would say he did what Jimmy does best. He he's able to impact the game in so many ways than even when he's not rolling offensively. Right. Um, and you know, I think Goran and Bam probably get the MVP tonight. Goran came out guns blazing, and Bam made a ton of huge plays. His rebounding has been great over the past two games, and his passing as well. But um, so I just wanted to say, you know, give that a little context. But on the Buck side of things, John. Can they make any adjustments or like are they done? Like what? what I mean, you're down two zero. Honestly, I know that if you had home court, maybe they wouldn't be down two zero. You'd be going to Miami. Maybe the games are split. Who knows what happens? But now they're down two zero. They don't. There's nothing really that that looks going forward like they that they can make an improvement. So so yeah. what do you see? I mean, they, to win this series, they'd have to win yeah. four out of the next five. So I think yeah, they have to win four of the next five, or like they can win four straight and win four two against us. But that's the thing. One thing I'll say, so just to answer the question quickly, the Bucks are not done. And the reason why is we're not up 2-0 going back to American Airlines Arena for two straight <laughs> games. We're not going back to Miami. So they still have, uh, what, six more games in the series? Or no, I'm sorry, five more games in this series on neutral court. So the fans are not going to play a role. And these games are all just, they're just as likely to win any of these games. It's not like game three is harder than game two was to win. So they almost pulled out game two. The other thing I would say is that as far as the adjustments go, I'm surprised that I'm saying this, but I think I want to see more from Giannis. And I, I need to see yeah. him be more demanding. I hate to say it to his coach, who he said, no, I'm like he said, I'm going to do whatever coach says. And we see him sitting at points in the game where I don't really think he should be sitting. It's yeah, like I mean, five minutes it's into, a, the, essentially into the game. a very similar rotation to what they had all season long. I think Giannis not, played around 30 minutes in the playoffs. You're down 2-0 now. you got to be playing yeah, he should 40, play like 40, 42 40, you minutes. Play, all, play the whole second half. Yeah. If you're losing, you're losing. He only played, half. I think, the past two games. He played 37 yes. and 36. So. And we need to see him be more composed. And we've seen this from LeBron. And I guess that's what we're comparing him to now is LeBron would be composed in these moments. And he will take over these games. He's not, he's not even. I mean, you can't. I don't, I no, can't, he's I don't not on his level. But that's what I'm saying. He is a back-to-back MVP, defensive player of the year. This man, I think, just... 
he needs to be more composed. There was times where we just saw him coughing up a ball or falling over or whatever. I think he just needs to, fine, maybe not compare him to LeBron. Let's compare him to Shaq. He needs to just be more <laughs> dominant and just body up a little more. And I know the Heat, Funny. We're, we're playing perfect on them right now. And the team, we're so balanced. What we're doing with three-pointers, just to t- touch on that quickly, Crowder had four threes tonight. Goran had four threes. Hero, Dragic, and Kelly had three threes. So that's five guys yeah. that had three or more. No, big time. Start. And in game one, John, well, two things. I wanted to mention how it's funny you compare him to Shaq. Game one, that was probably the reason. one of the reasons they lost with their free throw shooting was abysmal. But he went four for 12 free, uh, from the free throw line, which is re- which is re- good good on us that we were able to send him to the line so many times. But as far as three-point shooting, game one, the Heat didn't have a great three-point shooting game. Let me see what we shot. We shot, I think we made 12. Actually, you know what? We were decent. We shot 38%. That was a, by the end of it. It ended up. Much, I think the first half we weren't shooting great. We were still in the game, so I was like very happy with it. Three down three. But this game, we came out and I was like, all right, this is the game. And you know what? Our best three point shooter, Duncan Robinson, still hasn't had his you know game where it's like, all right, that's the Duncan game. You know? Hey, but and he, he's we got but he's shooters. due for it. He, exactly, we got shooters. And that's the thing. Jimmy said this at the end of the last game. He said, you know, I scored 40 points. And that was what we need to do. What I needed to do for us to win. But we have so many guys who can do that better than I did it last yeah, night. So, I so I'm it. not even worried about it. Which and look, I mean, looking as he exactly, was 100 percent right. 100% right. He was the we had seven guys in double figures. He was, I think, the lowest. He had like maybe he finished with what 12, 13, right? Mm-hmm. I think it was 13. So he finished with 13 points, and it's 100 percent right. Dragic led the way this game, and Dragic also joining Shaq, LeBron, and Dwayne Wade for guys to have. I think it was like four. 20 plus point games in the playoffs uh, consistently. Yeah. So love to see another guy like that. But talk, getting back to how balanced this team is, you, like that Jimmy quote talks about, it, it's just so great to see that any guys can take over. Jimmy has 40 in game one, and it's almost like, oh, shoot, he's not going to do that next game. Can we beat the Bucks again? Guess what? He had 13, and we still came back. Yeah. And, did and it then again. you look at guys like Tyler Hero, three for 11 in game and one. Offensive. Game two, six for 13. Tyler Hero, I mean, just. Let's just give him a shout out. Let's take a few seconds. This man is 20 years 20, old. He's, he's like a week old. And he's than us. playing like he's he's Udonis with yeah. all the players. And experience that I think Udonis it goes to obviously, you know, hashtag heat culture, but also the trust that Spo has in him and that Spo plays him in crunch time and he's in crunch time. He's taking it up the court. He's setting the offense. He's doing things that you don't typically let uh, a 20 year old do in the, in the NBA playoffs mm-hmm. in a big series. So love to see it. I love, you know, just love watching this team. It's good to be up 2-0, but I know that, that game three, they're going to come and they're going to play, like they're, they're play like they're down 0-2. Oh, so. yeah, they are. And, I mean, they're going to play like, they're, like, like their backs are against the wall because they know if they go down 3-0, that's, that's pretty much the funeral for their season. And see, we saw this in game one early. They got off to an 11-point lead against us, against the Heat. The Bucks. We were playing. We were. They were get, taking all the shots that we wanted them to take. Giannis was shooting far out shots. He was getting the ball out of his hands when he when he hit it to the paint. But you know what? All the role players were hitting their shots. You know, Middleton, West Matthews, Brook Lopez. These guys were making their shots. And additionally, Giannis was shooting the far shots we want, the jump shots we want him to shoot. But he was making them. So the thing is, we're gonna force them to do what they do not as great as Giannis in the paint, right? That's what they want to get mm-hmm. to. That's that's what makes them so great is how dominant Giannis is. And we saw little flashes of it here and there when we would miss a defensive slide or or if someone, he would, Giannis would beat someone if, or if he got a full head of steam from the three-point line, he would take his two steps, dunk it, and that's that. But we do such a good job neutralizing that that I don't know what they're going to do in games three and four. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm not saying the Heat are going to sweep, no, but I'm no just doubt. saying... 
I don't know what they do next. I don't yeah. know how. I mean, if you, this, the game is very Gian, they're very Giannis centric, and I don't know yeah, how and, they can and switch going, it up. Going down 0-2, it that is a tough thing. It's like, all right, you, you just lost two straight games. What can you do? Here's what I'll say. This is gonna sound a little simple, and this isn't you know rocket science. Here's like. Game one, Giannis did not have a great game. Milton did. Milton was 12 for 24, 28 points, four threes. Uh, in this, in game two, no, Milton didn't have a good game. 0 for three for, from the from the arc, six for 15, only 23 points. So what's going to have to happen? Throws. The only time they've beaten us this year was Giannis and Milton combined for 66 points, which I know we were also missing Goran and Jimmy. So you know it is what it is but like just those, right. th- at the end of the day for them to win both of those doesn't guys come down to Lopez doesn't really come down to Bledsoe as much or West Matthews whatever though if those guys play great then fine but it's going to come down to Giannis and Chris Middleton and yeah. it's pretty simple okay we're back you just listened to our reactions to the two games that were played tonight on Wednesday night game 7 of the Rockets Thunder and game 2 of the Bucks Heat wow the the t- the win that that team had was very uh, impressive, but <laughs> now we're gonna get into some of the rest yeah, of the storylines this week. Can't believe that player really made those those big plays down the stretch. It was pretty impressive to yeah. see, John. Great, <laughs> two great games. But Utah, Denver, Alex. That was the game seven. That was last night. One of the what I predicted to be one of the best series coming into this playoffs. It was nothing short of that. It easily was. I would say the most entertaining series that we saw. After, you know, the 57-point game by Mitchell. Then we saw Jamal Murray come back with a few 50-point games yeah. of his own. They uh, The Jazz answered after losing game one, winning three straight. And then they lost three straight. So the question I got, Alex, did they blow it? Did Donovan Mitchell blow it? They had He had 30 points in game five, 44 points in game six, and then 22 in game seven. The Jazz had 78 points total. The Jazz just blew a 3-1 lead, and they're joined the Warriors and the Oklahoma City Thunder and the rest of the teams that have done that in NBA history. Do you think they blew it? So, John, that's a tough question to answer. I mean, when you're up 3-1 and you don't win the series, the the clear answer is yes, they blew it. And I think the main issue, though, and the reason it's not a very simple answer is because... um, I don't really think I can hold it against Donovan Mitchell because Donovan Mitchell, as you mentioned, he, he kept them afloat in, in many games. He had 57 in one game. He had 51 in another game. And if you look at his averages, I'll just read them off. There's nothing, you know, numbers numbers don't really lie. You know, 36 points, five assists, five rebounds. He shot 50, uh, 54% for two-pointers and 51% for three-pointers. That's ridiculous. He had an incredible series. He made he half this, of his threes. This is the series of his of his career so far. He's still he's still young. We know that. But um, I think the Jazz overall, maybe maybe this just should be, I should put more uh, blame on maybe Quinn Snyder or just the construction of the team or the fact that they were missing Bojan Bogdanovic. And I think the team became too dependent on Mitchell. And I, this is something I said after game one, you I remember that was our first playoff um, episode that we had done that we that we did. Right. And I said Mitchell goes for fifty seven in this game, and they lose. Like it, this is going to be over in five games. Denver's going to win. Mm-hmm. And I ate my words because in the next th- three games, really, we saw incredible play from Mike Conley was hit. He had that one game where he looked like Steph Curry. Um, right. Where Jordan Clarkson went off for like twenty six points off the bench, Royce O'Neal and George Niang had hit had hit um, important shots yeah, too. Yeah, they were they were playing and a so solid role players. When those have. guys played well, they won three straight games. And then another thing, just kind of a little off topic: has a team ever won 
game one of a series, game five, game six, and game seven of a series. Basically, lo- the winning the win- winning the first game, losing three straight, and then winning the last three. I'm That's sure, what Denver I'm sure did. I don't know how we would search that up in basketball I, yeah, reference, I mean, but I'm sure a team must have an NBA. Dude, are you kidding but me? That's insane. I would say there's probably few teams that have That's that. nuts to do that. But um, so yeah, I would say that's what the issue that the Jazz ran into is they were too Donovan Mitchell centric, and then of course when you get when you go seven games, sometimes the, your legs are a little tired. Everything it's it's hard it's it's harder to get offense that offense that you depend on. And so when Mitchell wasn't having one of his games where he was playing lights out, and of course who's their next best player? Rudy Gobert, a very defensive guy, yeah. very guy who's very much um, his values on one side of the right. floor and not the other. Yeah. So even though he did have that very dope uh, Euro step in the end of the game, was kind yeah, of yeah. Well, he started putting them on the back. He looked like the closer, like it was gonna win the game for him because they were down like what was it twenty or nineteen in in the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. They after they're down fourteen at halftime. The Jazz end up coming back. Yeah, taking that was the when lead. Mitchell. That's that's the thing. The one quarter that Mitchell you know did play the right. way he played the rest of the series. I think he had like sixteen in that quarter, or fifteen in that quarter. Yeah. They they pull it within five. And just that last sequence, he has the ball. They're down two, fifteen seconds, and I'm like, let, let me see. And and I I had picked Denver in seven, and I want my bracket to be as accurate as it can. Mm-hmm. But right now, my bracket's only off by like a few games, which is pretty great. Um, Shut right up. My bracket's killing yours probably. But um, right. So I I'm but still, even though forget my bracket, I was like, I kind of do want to see like D Mitch, one of my favorite players in this league, go up and make that. Either the game tying shot to force overtime in Game Seven, or I want to see him at the game winning three pointer, and he did what you could expect a twenty three year old player to do. He turned it over. He hit the floor. Then on the other side of the court, yeah, Denver gives it right Jamal back. Murray, Jamal Murray sets up uh, Tory Craig perfectly to hit the layup, misses a layup. But which, I don't know why you do that either. Game. Just hold the what? ball. The clock. Well, there was no more time go, on the clock. No, no, no. But it, Alex. You saw that layup. Yeah, you, no, no. ESPN. Tory Craig should have. Tory Craig should have made it. But I don't trust ESPN's per, like you know win percentage type of stuff. But they said Tory Craig open like going up to to make that layup. He had a seventy nine percent chance to make it. So <laughs> you're taking an eighty percent chance. I mean, it's a to, layup. It's gonna be a hundred. No, no. But if they foul you, you have this, you go to the free throw line. You could yes. miss a free throw and then you're down. You're only well, up Murray three. in the end. I'll trust Murray knocking down a few shots. But right. I guess and the guy was in front of him. He made the right play to a teammate who should have hit a wide open layup. Yeah. Who missed it? And honestly, I—that's what the crazy thing about sports is. Mike Conley dribbles down, gets a shot off with 1.5 seconds left. The buzzer goes off. The shot rims out. And the thing that is, was such a good. We luck. are talking completely differently about this series, about that game, about Donovan Mitchell's performance, about Jamal Murray's performance, about Jokic's. We're talking completely different. If that one shot was an yeah, inch, funny. you know, it goes an inch more into or into about Tory Craig or about how Jamal Murray passed up exactly. That ball but end, instead, you know? Mike Conley missed it. Donovan Mitchell hit the floor. Was very emotional. Yeah. We saw him crying after the game, which is just something that I love to see in a guy. You know, you love yeah. to see that he's that competitive and wants to win. And now this team knows, man, still on his rookie contract, they're about to sign a big extension. Yeah, they think they just announced it today. He but did. just getting back to your point, I totally agree with you. The team is very Donovan central uh, centric, especially on, on offense. offense. You know. And the fact that they didn't have their fifth guy, I guess I would say, because they had between Conley. Mitchell, Gobert as their their core three, and then Ingles and Bogdanovich as two good offensive guys. Not having one of those dudes definitely hurt them. Everyone thought they were shorthand going into the series and thought that Denver would win, you know, in five because of that. But um, you're totally right. I, you know, that's the thing about a seven game series. It exposes the team's flaw because even though they're up three one, 
you have to beat that team four times. So to get that last win after all that the uh, the, the Nuggets had learned in the first four games about how Utah runs their team, you, they were just ready. And and Denver was ready to go into that next uh, those next three games. And they have a blueprint. They figured it out. They knew how to defend the Well, they're the better, better team. They're and definitely they the better team. And, and not only that, we have to talk about Jamal Murray, who dropped 50 42 and 50, I think. Uh, actually, no, he yeah. lost one of the 50 points. And then last night, didn't have a great game. But you know who did? Jokic. Jokic. So and that's, that he was put the them in a position to win with his game five and game six performance. And then his teammate, I guess, I don't know if it, he's the he's the Robin or the Batman. I guess in this series, maybe Jokic was I think Jokic Robin. is still Batman. He is. But you know what? And that's what Jokic said after the game when they interviewed him. He had 30 points in game seven. And he said, you know, Jamal Murray like did it for me in game five and, and six. So he wasn't playing too well tonight. So I had to carry it for yeah, him. And, and you know what? You can't say the same for Donovan Mitchell. Exactly. He didn't he, have he, a teammate did, to do And that. he doesn't have anyone even close to Jokic right. um, um, on his side. And it's something that I said that was one of my takeaways from game one, which was we saw Mitchell, mm-hmm. had the, he clearly was the best player on the court in game yeah. one. But by the end of it, yo, between Jokic and Murray, those guys were too much. And I, I remember saying that it was Jokic and Murray are too good for just Mitchell. So, you know, we're talking right. about those great players, John. And two, when you have two, two great guys against one great guy. Yeah, one great guy. Or we I mean you can include Rudy Gobert, both teams who have younger players and younger guys who have been on all-star teams. Um, who do you think has the brighter futures? Answer like just real quick before yeah. we uh, get into preview of the Denver LA series. So I think it's tough because if we're just talking about by one guy that I like the most, I, I would probably if I could take one guy from either of those teams to you know start my team around, it's Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. However, I don't think Utah is has optimized it. They put a very good team around him. They haven't optimized and made the best possible team they could put around him. I wouldn't say they're that, probably Tom. gonna. I'm, I will say this. I want to see if they could trade one of these guys and make a different team because how, how far do you go with Rudy Gobert as your your second best guy? You know? How far? Like, as we know what he when is. He, he, he's going to be this great defensive guy but when you're paying so much for him and, and Bill Simmons was talking about this with uh, Joe House on the Bill Simmons podcast. Look at what the Celtics did. They went, they're spending all their money on and they, ha- they haven't yet spent money I don't think on Tatum and Brown to, for the extensions or yeah. maybe they did. No, Brown. They paid Brown. Brown they did not but Tatum. not Tatum yet. So right now they're paying Kemba, Gordon Hayward, Brown, and Tatum. They're investing on those four wing guard guys, okay? Mm-hmm. And you know who they're, they're spending like barely any money on the, the rotating fifth guy, I guess, in that, with that lineup. The Either Tice, Tice, Robert, Williams, or Ness Cantor. Oh, yeah. So that's a great point that he's making there. A team like them, who's now up 2-0 against the, the defending champs and probably going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, they're investing all in on wings and guards. Same the, thing with the, the with NBA the is dominated by perimeter players. Exactly. And and, and the, I said the only big man you, you could potentially win with, and he's not even your number one dude, is Anthony Davis. Yeah. Who, because he has more versatile offensive game. I want to say that Gobert's probably too one-dimensional in his game. So I want to go with Denver. I think they're super deep. I think... Michael Porter Jr. Uh, is still very young, and he could, if he becomes a more meaningful like third guy, mm-hmm. that once you have your third guy and they're all young, Jokic is twenty five or I think almost twenty six, and uh, Murray's what twenty two I think at this point. He's twenty three I think. Murray age. Okay, he's twenty three years old. So he's yeah, also twenty three. So him and Mitchell are the same age. He so they're both showing they're going to be great players in the league. Gary Harris also didn't play a lot this series. He's another young dude, 25 years old. Michael Porter Jr., 22 years old. So they got a very nice young core. But I'm not going to rule out the Jazz to make a trade. They only got one more year of Rudy Gobert, one more year of Mike Conley on the books. And then who knows? Maybe they could put a nice other score with Donovan Mitchell. So 
But now getting into the next series, Alex. Jamal Murray was being interviewed by um, SVP, Scott Van Pelt, after the game. And he says, so what do you guys do to get ready for Thursday against the Clippers? And he just reacts. He goes, Thursday? We don't get two days off? And he goes, It was so genuine, That's too. a bummer. And you just see the look on his face. <laughs> he puts his head down. You're like, It wasn't oh, like him joking around like, oh my gosh, you know, we playing two days. It was like, like genuine. Like, I was shocked, too. I was like, oh, so I'm wondering. Because the Clippers have been waiting. The Lakers have been waiting. And these, because the other two teams that they're gonna, potentially going to go up against are in game seven. What's going to happen? Are they going to give them a few extra days of rest? No. And no, they're giving them one, one what they're, they're giving them what the they would usually have. You're playing every other day because of the fact that it's the bubble. Yeah, they're trying to go as soon as possible cuz they so, cause they're, they're plan, trying to plan for the for next season. But to the you're getting into the next series, usually you'll have at least a couple days off of not yeah. playing the game, but instead they get today off and thir- tomorrow night game 1 against the Los Angeles yep. Clippers. So Alex, what do you think about that series? Who do you see uh, coming out on top, do you think the Nuggets have a chance to take out Kawhi and the Clippers? So here's what I'll say. We just watched the Clippers struggle with a, a very young seven seed, the Mavericks, Dallas Mavericks. Of course, we know they have Luka. We know it was his playoff coming out party, played out of his mind. At the same time, the Mavericks were missing their second best player, Kristaps Porzingis, for three, basically, almost three and a half. You can count you can include the game where he got ejected, which was right. BS. Um, so basically, three and a half games. They're missing their next best player. And then you look at the other dudes. It's, it's you know, the Dallas Mavericks supporting cast isn't anything crazy. It's Trey Burke. They picked him up. It's Steph Curry. They signed him at the end of free agency. Um, uh, Maxi Kleba. Like, these guys aren't the best guys ever. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. So they str- the Clippers struggle with that team. And I look to Denver. And while I don't think Denver has anyone... As good as Luca, I do think that this team um, is deeper and has a better supporting cast around their best player, whether you think it's Jokic or Murray. So at the same time, I don't think Paul George is going to play as terrible as he played in the in the first round. So if Paul George can honestly, they're not even asking too much of him. If Kawhi's Kawhi's going to do yeah, what Kawhi's if he had a decent game, Kawhi, Kawhi right now is giving you 33, 10, and five in great defense. If Paul George can just Almost just be a th- like a better version of just a three and D guy, um, yeah. then they're gonna this this would be light work because even if Murray is is going off and scoring maybe he I, I don't well, suspect, throw a lot I don't suspect he's gonna score fifty in any of these games but let's say he has a game or two where he scores forty I still even then if he's scoring 35. I don't think it matters I think Jokic is gonna I think that's Jokic is probably the X factor for Denver because Definitely. they're gonna because, put Zubac on yeah him? they don't really have a great guy to guard him. So, so uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I probably someone agree. I think, I think I could see going two different ways. Either the Clippers are going to come out and be that team where we know they're capable of being with Pat Beverly, Lou Will, you know, in the backcourt with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard putting the clamps on and also doing a lot on the on the offensive side of the ball. Like those four dudes, that's that's where it starts with, and then the other role players fill in from there. But if we see them come in, be complacent, play how they did against Dallas, right? I mean, the no rest for Denver's brutal, but the one thing that I do think it's is good is they're gonna be kept on their toes and they wanna be they wanna stay playing this high level of basketball that they've been playing. Mm-hmm. Clippers have had a few games off. The Clippers, you know, get complacent. And we they haven't they like they're, they feel like they they pretend like they're the Warriors, you know, of, of you know, 17, 18, 19 when they like would begrudgingly like give their A game in the regular season, they wouldn't care. It's the playoffs now and they still haven't given us their full on like, you know, their A game. 
I could say that they did in the past two games of the series um, against Luka and the Mavs, games five and six, but I think that there's two different ways. They could come out and get punched in the face by a team that's just more into it right now and not rested, but they but the other team will it's like the rest versus rust thing. And I'm not yeah. saying the Clippers are gonna be rusty. It's almost like they'll get complacent by just waiting. And I don't think they will. The yeah. Nuggets I think are they're ready. gonna come out and, and I think they're gonna just they, and it's interesting looking at the Western Conference and versus the Eastern Conference. In the Western Conference second round, I think I think those series are they're gonna be much easier than the first round was for those teams. And like the second round for the East is going to be much tougher. We saw all blowouts yeah. in the first round for the East, and the second round looks like th- these will be fun, or maybe not with if the if the Raptors roll over yeah. again. Um, but and then the other side, I, I don't think the, that the Clippers. I don't think the Nuggets stand much of a chance. I think the Clippers should make light work of them in five or six games. And I think the same for whoever comes out or whoever just came out tonight. That right. we're gonna, that that team against the uh, the Lakers. Yeah. So I'm gonna stick with my pick before the postseason. I'm gonna go with. Uh, Clippers in six over the Nuggets. All right, so my bracket looks pretty good right now after that series. I predicted uh, completely right Nuggets in seven games over the Jazz. And also, I have the Celtics in the finals. I have them beating the Raptors in this second-round series. And right now, they're up 2-0. Toronto needs to win four of the next five against Boston, which is certainly possible. But so far, the matchup does not look too great. The Raptors are 11-3 in the bubble, Alex. All three losses are to the Celtics. That's crazy. They have not lost to any other team other than the Celtics since March. And the, so the Celtics have been the only team that's been able to beat them. So I, and I, one more thing I want to say that I called before the series getting into it. Because I picked the Celtics. Alex and I, we actually made a little $50 brother bet. And I put on the series, I said Celtics would win. You had the Raptors. And I said I trusted Kemba, Smart, Brown, Tatum would be playing Lots of minutes if it comes down to the wire. And look what happened last night. Game two, Kemba had thir- played 38 minutes. Smart played 38 and a half. Brown played 36 because he kind of got injured at, towards like one point in the game. They pulled him. And Tatum played 42 minutes. And that's, what's happen- that's what happens in the playoffs. Game mm-hmm. one, they didn't need to play that many because uh, it was a blowout. So, Alex, what do you think? Is Toronto going to make this series interesting or are the Celtics just going to run right past them? Okay, John. So, I did pick the Raptors before this series. And... Look at game one, total blowout. Toronto did not come to play. They shot 29% in the first half and then it ended up 30%, 37% overall. Excuse me. You're not going to win a game shooting that poorly in the playoffs. It's pretty clear. You also factor that in with the Celtics actually played well in, the, in that game. Tatum was 9 for 18. Kemba was 4 for 7 three-pointers. Smart had 5 of 9 three-pointers. That was the game. That's what he does. Go to games no, 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 no. I'm talking about, game. That's game one, John. Game one, oh. you had 5 of 9. Yeah. Then you go wow. to, so two games in a row then. Then you go game two. Boston actually isn't playing great, and Rap- the Raptors are doing a good job early. And then Kem- Kemba's struggling a lot. Brown hasn't really looked great in either game, to be honest. And then Tatum's really the only guy keeping them in it. He ends up with 32 points. But, of course, the difference maker, he Marcus Smart plays the greatest quarter of his career. He hits five straight threes, which, like, kind of came, of course, they came out of nowhere because you never really expect well, something like that. Well, there was one like that. that was the and one. And, and every yeah. time I'm watching, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm like, don't shoot it. Like, give it up. And he makes it every and that, time. He's that was definitely the difference maker. So I, I made a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of my decision on picking the, the Raptors in the series was based on their depth <laughs> and the fact that I didn't think Marcus guys like Marcus Smart were going to be able to hit, have big games where they hit, you know, well, six offensively, or five or six threes. It should be 1-1. One, one. And... I think it should be one one. I think, but then, I don't know about. But, but game one, the Celtics just looking down, to the Raptors side like side of things. You look at their three best players 
especially on offense. You look at Siakam, you look at Fred Van Vliet, and you look at Kyle Lowry. Those guys did not come to play. Those those guys, those are the guys at the end of the game, and, and the, they, I wouldn't say they came to play in either game. First game, they both they totally gave up. And then in game two, at the end of the game, they, they, they you know they ended up losing by three points. That's a game that you're it's very winnable. And we there was five minutes left in the game, John, and you were saying you thought the Raptors we're still going to come back and I said it's over. The Raptors are not going to win. Like they I'm just I can tell you no one's making shots right now. The guy who was making shots was OG Anunoby. He had the best game. He was well, they still four for six three pointers hit two in the fourth quarter. Still only lost by three points. But I you thought look, Raptors were going to win games. You go down the line. Siakam is supposed to be their best player. 6 for 16. That's not good. 1 for 4 three pointers. Um you look at Lowry, 5 for 16. Van Fleet uh, eight for twenty-two. No one was making shots, and in the end of the game, even if you're struggling all game long, that's the time. That's what we saw this with LeBron um, in Game One of the bubble was Clippers versus Lakers. This was just regular, you know, uh, regular season, whatever. And LeBron struggled all game long. But guess what? The very end, when it mattered, he did hit the game-winning shot. And and the Raptors don't have anyone like that. And I I I was you know upset hmm. even five minutes before the game was over, and I was like, yeah, there's no way they're gonna be able to do it. So. Um, I don't think there's a, ch- you know, and then I guess one thing I wanted to say too is the Celtics franchise, the entire franchise since when they were they were, you know, created in like the, the '60s, has only lost one playoff series after going up 2-0. <laughs> and it was against LeBron. It was against the 2018 Cavaliers, led by LeBron James. They go up <laughs> 2-0. They lose the next two games in Cleveland, mind you, and then you go back to they they won one more game in Game Five, and then. Cleveland wins, I think, two more. Six so, so unfortunately for the Raptors, they did not have home court, and I really do think that makes a huge difference in in it what, what we what we saw Go happen. Traveling up to the Canada, Boston doesn't break on the sidelines would have been yeah. chirping Marcus Smart. The fans would have been chirping him. There's no way he yeah. would have had Boston as great of a shooting game. Boston doesn't go uh, 2-0 in mm-hmm. Toronto. That just doesn't happen. So, yeah. yeah, it's pretty much over. I will say. Um, I don't think that the Raptors can can make this competitive. I just I'm going up to whether whether they even like let's say a miracle happens they push it to Game Seven. I'm still gonna pick Boston. Yeah, it's clear that they're, I did pick they're the better team. I picked Boston in seven. I agree with you. I One thing wrong. I will say I wouldn't be surprised though if the Raptors, even though they've turned back to the Raptors of old, the team that stinks to bed in the playoffs. I will. I won't be surprised if we see them go two two, come out of these next two games and win two shape because. Look at what we saw in the Houston Oklahoma City series. Houston won two straight <laughs> games, and Oklahoma City looked like they were not going to be able to win more than one game in that series, and they won two straight. So sometimes you can see a team pull out some close ones, and I think the Raptors are capable of doing so if we see the Celtics get a little bit complacent. Yeah, and I guess I shouldn't give up too, just because of that OKC series where it looked like after those two first games that the, the Rockets were, were going to easily win. And then here we are, we're looking into Game Seven. It looks like OKC has the momentum, yeah. but guess what? OKC is a guy like Chris Paul. This is kind of the reason I'm not. I wouldn't think that the Raptors can even make sure. it competitive. They're not even. No, they're not going to win four of the next five games. But they, they don't the, have. They don't have the but guy. They have the Chris Paul call. of the East, Kyle Lowry. No, he's not. He. Uh, but they have here's, NBA champion here's Kyle do, Lowry. Here's what you do. <laughs> you listen to people praising Kyle Lowry for things that he actually does well and then say no. oh and then you say oh well, he's not a no. great you know offensive player really? he's, he's, because he's, this series wh- what happened what happened this series there's this no was, one says he's the best offensive people player ever this like, team go to the finals Alex. yes but it's not it wasn't because of Lowry John <laughs> it's, it's not because of Lowry I'm just saying 
the a big consensus pick was Raptors over Celtics. A lot of people were doing that, and I was the only one. I think it was pretty I split. Know. I just that's that's just that's just a lie. All right, now. maybe now you're just go, trying to act like you're watch, the only one. <laughs> I need to watch more Sports Center. Yeah, you should. But can you imagine picking them to win the finals? Imagine that was your yeah. finals. Pick. I, and I never, yeah. I thought it was crazy because subtweet and, our guy Eli Maluhi. He picked the Raptors to win the but, title. But he, but he only did that because he was just pushing back on you. Being pushing back on me, right? To Lowry. saying they would lose in no, the second round because anyway, Lowry's not an all-time great player. Anyway, I think that either way, whoever wins the series, give me the winner of Bucks Heat to get to the, to get to the. I finals. like that too. I so. like that. I would love to see it. Even though I'm sticking with the Celts, I still pick them. I'm not trying to jinx my team, but go Heat. And now, before we finish this episode up. Let's give our safe bets of the week. All right, Alex, safe bets of the week. Just to recap, I'm up on you big time. I got three wins and one loss. Right now, my three wins are all Celtics games. I think that automatically so, means you have zero. Yeah, so, sorry. Listen, I'm going to keep riding with the, the luck. I got the luck of the Irish right now. Three and one. Alex, you're one and three right now. What's your safe bet going to be? How are you going to come back on your big brother? You know what? So Denver just played a pretty grueling seven-game series. They have one night off. Jamal Murray's a little upset about it. They're going up against a wet-rested Clippers team. Kawhi's looking nice. I expect Paul George is going to have a little bit of pressure off of him now that he's going to get his head right a little bit. And they're only favored by eight and a half points. Yeah, I'm taking the Clippers in a blowout. And I mean, like for that to for them to not do that, I think. You know, we're going to have to see Pandemic P come back, and we're going to have to see Jamal Murray probably go for, like, 40, which I don't think is going to happen. So I'm picking the Clippers, minus 8.5. And, a half. and right, you know what? This, if I jinx it, we'll have a good series. This is fun because I don't I don't want to go with the Celtics here. I think, for all you betters that are listening, I think parlaying the Raptors and the Bucks money line together is a smart idea. I do not see either the Celtics or the Heat going up 3-0 on the number one and number two seeds, respectively. Anything so, can happen in the bubble, though. I can't bet on the Celtics, even though I've... I've been riding them to three of my four, uh, three of my four bets, my safe bets. I'm gonna go with the other game tomorrow night. I gotta go with Denver plus eight and a half, Alex. Which you just went with the Clippers. I actually disagree with you. I think Clippers are gonna come out the way they do. They're gonna lose game one of the series, and they're gonna end up winning either four straight or they're gonna win four. Oh, four they're gonna win four of the next five games, but they're gonna. I don't think they're and even if they don't lose, they're gonna. I, I think the De- Denver can lose by eight or less because they're playing their best basketball right now. They just had a grueling seven really? game series. They scored how many and points? And the Clippers, the Clippers they scored are thirty chilling. points in the second half. That's the best basketball. What what if, what was Jamal Murray doing before that? He had his it bad yeah, stinger game. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And man. who what did we see? Who do we see playing horrible against a worse a worse team? Paul George and the rest and of the Clippers. And then he came back and had two great games. Kawhi Leonard's going to be there. But I think what we the All trend right. we've seen from this Clippers All team right. is that they've been a little bit complacent, lazy. They've been acting like they're the, the 2019 Golden State Warriors who had you know five All-Stars and had already been to four straight finals. This team, I do not think they come out swinging. And eight and a half points is a lot to give up. If it was five, that's one thing. I can't bet on the Celtics right. again. I'm going good. Denver plus eight good. and a half. You have a lot of faith in Denver, but I'm feeling good about this. I, I'll... I'll uh, catch up with you well everyone it's been a good one we've had a lot of great playoff basketball looking forward to another what month and a half ish of it maybe another month will be in the finals by then so go heat thank you for listening have a good one